Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Good morning, church. It's Saturday, the day after Jesus' crucifixion. It was the darkest and most dreary day the disciples had ever experienced. A day of shattered hopes, downcast spirits, and frightened hearts with no hope for the future. With every fibre of their being crying out, what's the use? Why go on? The disciples would have felt hopeless at the death of their Messiah. They were confused and perplexed as to why they were following Jesus this past three years. Someone who performed miracles, but now crucified and dead. It was a day they would never forget as long as they lived. Likewise, this year, 2020, will be a year many would never forget. An unexpected COVID-19 pandemic dominated our global agenda. A worldwide tragedy resulting in more than a million people dead and borders closed in strict lockdown, resulting in massive travel restrictions and a recession that erased a decade of economic growth. This is the first time in our nation's history that we can't have mass Christmas gatherings. 2020 may be the year where hopes have been crushed and dreams unfulfilled. Some have lost their jobs and their savings. Many are alone or afraid. If we ever needed hope, it is now. What do we do when we face times of hopelessness? In the midst of pandemic, we don't need to panic. For in Christ, there is hope. And Mark 16 points us to this living hope. Please turn your Bibles with me to Mark 16, verses 1 to 8. Reading from God's Word, from Mark 16, verses 1 to 8. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has reason. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. 
and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Let's pray together. Thank you, God, that Jesus is alive. As the Apostle Paul said, if Christ had not been raised, the preaching of your word would be useless. And so would be our faith. Speak, Lord. Bless the hearing and the obeying of your word that our lives change through Christ might bring hope to others for Christ. In Jesus' name, Amen. As we end an unforgettable year and face an uncertain year ahead, there are two important steps to take so that we can be living with hope. Firstly, do not be alarmed. Verses 1 to 6 tells us of the story that happens. He has reason. He is not here. The word alarm in Greek is used only by Mark in the New Testament, occurring four times in Mark 9 verse 15, 14 verse 33, Mark 16 here in verse 5 and 6. And the word alarm means to throw into terror and to be struck with amazement. And Mark reserved the usage of this word alarm for special occasions of great spiritual significance. The three women mentioned here, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, were clearly alarmed and perplexed by at least three things. Firstly, the stone was rolled away from the tomb in verse 4. Very early in the morning, the three women waited for the end of Sabbath to buy the spices to anoint Jesus. And they came with no hope nor any expectation at all to see Jesus alive again. In spite of Jesus' repeated promise to them that He will rise from the dead on the third day. In Mark chapter 8, verse 31, 9 verse 31 and Mark chapter 10 verse 33 to 34. Those of you who have been to Israel, the garden tomb in Jerusalem, will remember that a stone is no longer there at the tomb. The entrance into the tomb is almost as tall as a man. It was indeed a very large stone, weighing about 2,000 pounds, about 6 to 8 feet in diameter, and one to two feet thick. And this woman was concerned about how to roll this stone away so that they might enter the tomb and anoint the body of Jesus with the spices. But when they arrived, there was no sign of anyone at the tomb and the stone was already rolled back. They only understood that something amazing and remarkable had occurred. Matthew tells us what happened in Matthew chapter 28, verse 2 to 4. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the gods trembled and became like dead men. Long before daybreak, an angel had come and rolled back this stone and sat upon it. 
The guards on duty at the tomb fell as dead men on the ground. And as they recovered their senses, stumbled off into the darkness. Secondly, entering the tomb, the woman saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. Now consider the emotional state of these three women. They are grieving over the death of Jesus. They went to the tomb to anoint him, but found themselves in the presence of a heavenly being. They came to the tomb expecting it to be closed, but it was open. They came expecting the body to be lying in the tomb, but it was missing. A young man dressed in heavenly white robes was sitting where the body should lie. No wonder they were alarmed. Thirdly, when they went into the tomb, the body of Jesus was gone. The empty tomb was the answer to those who tried to explain away the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A common ancient myth is that the soldiers were paid to say that the friends of Jesus had come and stolen his body. It is impossible to believe that his enemies would steal Jesus' body because they would gladly have produced it. It is impossible to conceive that his friends could steal Jesus' body away for there were guards stationed at the tomb and the stone was sealed with the great seal of Rome. The words of the angel to this woman contain the answer to all the skeptics of the resurrection. This very same Jesus, the one you knew from Nazareth, whom you accompanied upon the hills of Galilee and Judea, the very Jesus who was crucified, whom you saw on the cross with the nails in his hands and the blood running down his side, that same Jesus whom you are seeking is risen from the dead. He is not here. This is a bodily resurrection of Jesus where the dead body of Jesus put in a grave is now raised from the dead. It was the power of God trying that raised Jesus from the dead into a permanent glorious state. The Father raised His Son from the dead. Jesus Himself arose from the dead and He was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the central event on which the entire Christian faith rests. This is the non-negotiable essence of the Christian gospel. To deny the resurrection of Christ is to deny the gospel itself. The resurrection of Christ is not simply a good idea or compelling theory. It is a historical reality. The resurrection of Jesus signals the defeat of all the evil forces that oppose the purposes of God, including the last enemy, death. It signals the victory of God's kingdom. The resurrection of the body of Jesus is unique to Christianity. Only Christians have a risen Saviour. This good news is not simply that Jesus is alive, 
but that Jesus had risen. At the heart of our faith is not just the good news, but the true news that the tomb was empty and that all who belong to Jesus will share in His resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the crown jewel of the Christian faith. The resurrection life is the purpose for which you were created by God and the hope of all those who are redeemed in Jesus Christ. Many are battling with hope today. The whole world is hoping for the first vaccine that will save the world. This week at Christmas, many are hoping to get what they want for Christmas. Children are hoping for their best friends to play with them this school holidays. Teenagers are hoping to have their favorite teachers for their classes. University students are hoping to study the right discipline. Young adults are hoping to find love in a relationship. Couples are hoping for a specific result on a pregnancy test. Many working adults are hoping to pay their bills by the end of this month. Others are hoping the stock market will turn around sooner than later. My friends, the world is full of temporal hope. And Jesus invites you today to seek God and let go of things that don't last and place your hope in God today because He's real and alive. And you will find true joy and peace and hope in this God. Don't be alarmed as it is foretold. Hope is found only when you seek Jesus the truth. Do not be alarmed, my friends. Jesus did not end at death on the cross. God raised Him up. And because of this, Jesus looked beyond the cross to His resurrection. Do not be alarmed, my friends. God is a God of resurrection. And therefore, we have hope in this God, even in our apparent hopeless circumstances. The God of resurrection can turn our bitter times into better times. The God of resurrection can turn our setbacks into success. The God of resurrection can raise us up from the pit of life to the peak of life. Do not be alarmed. With the God of resurrection, it can be all right when everything seems to be all wrong. If this is the God that we seek, if this is the God that we have, how does knowing that God is a God of resurrection help us living with hope and to interpret our circumstances today? I was once caught into an ICU situation when a patient was in coma for a few weeks. The family who were Christians invited me to pray and share the gospel with their uncle. I was a young and inexperienced pastor. And so in my heart, I prayed, God, if you are really alive, powerful, a miracle-working God, do what no one else can do. And so with the two witnesses at the ICU, I went with much trembling. I held the uncle's hand and shared the gospel, looking into his eyes as if he was looking at me. And I said, if you want to say yes to Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, then move any part of your body, your eyes, your hands, or your leg. 
And for that moment, I had forgotten that he had been in coma for a few weeks. But suddenly, he moved his left leg. And to be certain and to assure the two relatives in the ICU that the moving was not caused by my squeezing of the uncle's hand, I repeated the words again. But this time, without holding the uncle's hands. If you want Jesus into your life, as Saviour and Lord and He's alive, move any part of your body. And again, He moved His left leg. And we were all alarmed by what we saw and by the presence of God in the ICU. And that night, heaven rejoiced over this uncle's salvation. My friends, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, would you believe that this God of resurrection is someone who can intervene in your life even right now? And therefore, we do not have to be hopeless. Without this resurrection, the cross will be a pathetic anti-climax. But with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the cross is the power of God unto salvation, conquering sin and death. So however dark our days or difficult our problems might be, remember this, Jesus is reason indeed. And He has the resurrection power to turn our life around and to transform us. Hallelujah! This is the life-changing, earth-shaking, destiny-transforming truth. He is reason. He is not here. The first step in living with hope is do not be alarmed. Seek Jesus, the truth. But the second step is do not be afraid. Verses 7 to 8 tells us this, But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Only Mark records in verse 7, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee. You see, when Jesus died on a cross, the appalling collapse of hope was felt by all the disciples. Luke chapter 24, verse 10 to 11 tells us, Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other woman with them who told these things to the apostles. But this word seems to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. Now if you are skeptic, these disciples were like you. Yet they became so convicted of what they once did not believe that they gave their entire lives to proclaiming the resurrection. Leon Morris says this, The apostles were not men poised on the brink of belief and needing only the shadow of an excuse before launching forth into a proclamation of the resurrection. They were utterly sceptical, even when the women they knew well told them of their experiences, they refused to believe. Clearly, irrefutable evidence was needed to convince the skeptics. And then in verse 7, he says, but go tell his disciples and Peter. 
Why spotlight Peter? You remember that broken Peter was specially overpowered by fear, feeling deep shame and disgrace from denying Jesus. Peter agonized over his monumental failure, his collapse of faith and his fear of meeting the Lord again. When Jesus was led away to trial and crucifixion, Peter probably thought that any opportunity to seek the Lord's forgiveness was gone forever. My friends, are you struggling with fear and hopelessness today? Are you overwhelmed with guilt and condemnation because you feel you have let the Lord down in a way that seems unforgivable? Do you feel that there's no way you will ever be useful to God again? If that sounds like you, take heart. Do not be afraid. Even the worst of transgressions does not mean it is the point of no return. Sin may result in inevitable consequences that must be borne, but it provides an opportunity for the love of God to be magnified. God's chief concern is that we repent of it because God knows our sin, our fears, and even our hopelessness. And yet He graciously provides restoration, hope, and courage for Peter, the repentant believer. Therefore, God can pick us up in our fears and hopelessness and mending the broken pieces of our lives and making something beautiful out of our fearful lives. This is why the angel sent that personal word just to Peter, to the woman at the tomb. The last thing the angel said to the woman was, He is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, as he told you. The angel emphasized the reliability of the faithful promise of Jesus that he will go before them to Galilee when he rose from the dead. And there he will meet them. God indeed is trustworthy. He does what he says he will do. And his promises are true and believable. Here's the question for us. Why meet in Galilee? Why not Jerusalem? After all, the original apostolic cell group was already in Jerusalem. Why meet them more than 80 miles away? It takes about a whole week just to walk there. In a remarkable book following Jesus, the plural of disciple is church. Alison Morgan wrote, that Jesus seems to be saying, let us go back to where we first began our journey together and start again from there. It was almost like to return to their first encounter with God, their first calling. Can anything good come out of Galilee? Yes. Out of it comes forth Jesus of Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Yes. The discipleship call of the early disciples was in Galilee. And yes, out of Galilee comes forth the famous Great Commission, which you will hear about next Sunday. Yes, the disciples' faith was badly shaken. They were tested by fire. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know where to go until Jesus said, Go to Galilee. And there, meeting the risen Lord in Galilee, their lives were forever changed. And herein lies the hope for their future. 
This is what filled this woman with hope, changed them and brought them from the very depths of dark despair and deep fears to trembling joy and hope. And they went out with gladness to spread this hope throughout the world. The women were given an urgent message to tell his disciples and Peter the good news. The message of Jesus was not an end, but the basis for action. And the message would send Jesus' disciples on a journey to Galilee in preparation for the promised meeting with Jesus. And it was recorded in Mark 14 verse 28. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Finally, in verse 8, it says, And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. We might have expected Mark to tell us that the woman triumphantly brought the news back to the disciples. But instead, Mark just says that the woman was so fearful and trembling. They said nothing to anyone. They ran away like the men had done before because they were full of trembling and astonishment. Anyone who had stood in the presence of God loses the glibness of a smooth and ready tongue, trembling hands, whirling mind and faltering hearts. These are the after effects of an encounter with the supernatural. Astonishment so ties their tongues that Jesus will have to confirm the fact of His resurrection by personal appearances rather than by spoken words. But when a woman reached home, they shared the hope they found in the resurrection of Jesus with the disciples and Peter. Those who find hope in God must share their hope with others. We learn here that fear can grip us, choke all our faith out of our hearts, and colour our perspective. Fear has a way of tying our stomachs up in knots, paralysing our thinking, inducing panic. Fear and its cousin worry can capture our hearts when we see ourselves caught in a whirlwind of disaster beyond our control. What do we fear today? And how can we overcome these fears? In this pandemic, there's a bleak fear in people's eyes. Will I lose my house, my job? What will become of us if this pandemic deepens into a recession and depression? How would I feed my family? We may be fearful that we are caught in the grip of an economic down spiral. People are losing jobs. Businesses are scaling down. Factories are closing. Food costs are rising. These are real and legitimate fears. But love casts out all fears, the Bible says. And we need have no fear about death nor the future because Christ promises us that there is no ground for fear. You know, in the Word of God, there are 365 places where it says, fear not. And do you ever wonder why that number? And the reason is, for I am with you, Jesus says to His own disciples. More than 2,000 years ago, the angels spoke the same words 
to Zechariah, to Mary, to Joseph, and finally to a group of shepherds on a hillside near Bethlehem. Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David, a Saviour who is the Messiah, the Lord. It was as true in 2020 as it was on the first Christmas and at the Resurrection Day. My friends, today I will be preaching my last sermon for the year 2020. For the longest time in my life and still is today, my co-laborers and family closest to me know that one of my greatest fear in my life is preaching. I'm afraid that I will exegete and interpret the scriptures wrongly. I'm afraid the sermon outline is too predictable. I'm afraid the delivery is not clear. I'm afraid that my every word is critique. I'm afraid if the sermon is boring. I'm afraid if they laugh at me. I almost didn't want to be a pastor because of my fear of preaching. I begged God to let me do anything as a pastor but preach. And God said no. Pastor Ed, who was then the senior pastor, said no too. I soon realized I'm nervous because I made preaching all about me. But preaching is not about me. Preaching is all about God. God's message communicated to God's people. I'm just His messenger. And slowly I begin to focus on what others will think of God instead of me. I focus on what is God's message rather than my message to His people. I dwell on what does God want to say rather than what I want to say. Will God be pleased rather than will the people be pleased? I learned to give the sermon back to God. It was never mine to begin with. When preaching becomes all about God and people and not about me, it gives me courage to stand in front of a crowd and bear my soul. My friends, fears takes over when we lose faith and focus on God. So whatever fears you might have today, focus on God and place your faith in God. If you are fearful of your job, your focus is on the money your job brings rather than on God who provides for you. If you are fearful of the uncertain future, you'll be trying to control the future rather than trust God who holds your future in His hands. God invites you today to place your faith in God so that He might remove all fears. The Gospel of Mark ends with an open ending. It invites us into Jesus' story to decide what are we going to do about the resurrected Jesus? It is not just a call for, for conversion, but a call to discipleship. And here are two practical ways to share Jesus this coming week as we end the year 2020. What an opportunity we have this coming week of Christmas. While we will not be able to gather for Christmas service on December 25th, we can celebrate with our friends in small groups in IOB Home for Christmas. A small group is planning some eight different parties to host some 30 
guests for Christmas parties. What a way to share the message of hope to our friends this Christmas. Between 24th to 27th December, Covenant EFC will be holding a very migrant Christmas celebration. We'll be sharing the Christmas cheer to invite migrant workers to celebrate Christmas with us. Covenantals have prepared some 1,000 Christmas cards and more than 550 gifts for this invited migrant workers. For opportunities to serve as befrienders to host them this Christmas, please register here. In conclusion, Jesus who was crucified on Friday is gone from the tomb on Sunday. Three women who expected to find a dead body in the tomb, sealed by a stone too heavy for them to move, became eyewitnesses to an empty tomb. As proof of Jesus' resurrection, God sent His messenger to speak His word. He has reason. He is not here. It is all that God needs to say. This is the good news. Jesus Christ is alive and our hope in Him is not in vain. And therefore, we can live with hope. Do not be alarmed. Seek Jesus the truth. Do not be afraid. Share Jesus. In the late 1960s, while expecting their third child, a couple were going through a rather traumatic time in their lives. Bill was recovering from a bout of mononucleosis. It was a period of anxiety and mental anguish for his wife, Gloria. The thought of bringing another child into this world with all the craziness was taking its toll on her. On New Year's Eve, she was sitting in their living room in agony and fear. The educational system was being infiltrated with the God is dead idea while drug abuse and racial tensions were increasing. Then suddenly and quite unexpectedly, she was filled with a gentle, calming peace and hope. It was as if her heavenly father, like an attentive mother, bending over her baby, saw his child and came to her rescue. The panic gave way to calmness and hope an assurance that only the Lord can impart. And she was assured that the future would be just fine, left in the hands of God. Shortly after this baby was born, both Bill and Gloria remembered that the power of the blessed Holy Spirit seemed to come to their aid. Christ's resurrection in all of His power and affirmation in their lives revitalize their hopes and their thinking. To Gloria, it was life-conquering death in their daily activities. Joy once again filled their hearts. Those events gave rise to one of the most famous Christian songs of our time, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. In this song which begins, God sent His Son. They call Him Jesus. We are reminded this coming week of Christmas that this same Jesus Christ came to this earth. 
And the purpose of His coming was that we might be able to face all fears, face our tomorrows, face all the uncertainty that it brings. That God holds the future right in His hands and make life worth the living for all who trust and hope in Him. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Let's pray together. As you end the year 2020, and in this coming week of Christmas, where are you placing your hope? If you are ready to belong to Jesus today and to name Him as your hope, I'd like to invite you to close your eyes right now. Right there in your living room or in your kitchen or in your bedroom, wherever you may be, all by yourself or whoever you are with. Would you pray right now from your heart this prayer of surrender to God? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus this Christmas to save me from my sins. Thank you that you love me enough to send a perfect sacrifice, to die on a cross out of forgiving love. I confess that I am a sinner and need forgiveness. Today, I surrender my life to you. Come into my heart today and I commit to following Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you had prayed that prayer, I'm so glad for you. Jesus said there is a party going on in heaven right now for you. You really have passed from death to life. You now have a living hope in the resurrection of Jesus that will not be taken away from you. If you have made the decision, I want to encourage you to let somebody know that you have made this commitment today. Scan this QR code on the screen and we will be in touch with you to help you follow this Jesus and to partner with you in your spiritual growth. We would love to be of any help about any decision you have made or any prayer need you have by scanning this QR code. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for this great truth that Jesus Christ is alive. He lives in many of our hearts today. He lives to forgive us to sustain us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, and even to correct us. We thank you for His living life that gives us living hope so that we are not alarmed or afraid. Guide us all the way through life and beyond to seek Jesus and to share Jesus wherever we go. For that, we give grateful thanks and pray that everyone hearing this word today may know the reason Jesus as a personal Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' name, Amen. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He
Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Here are two reflection questions for you and your family and your small group to discuss and share. Question one He has reason, he is not here. It's perhaps the most hopeful statement in the history of the universe. Why? How is the truth of Jesus' resurrection personally impacted and empowered you? to live with hope. Question two. When a woman saw Jesus had reason, what was the first command given to them? Who are the people God is placing upon your heart to bless during this coming week of Christmas and even towards the end of the year? And now, would you just lift up your hands, open up your hearts to receive the Lord's benediction. And now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever 
and ever. Amen. Go with joy and hope in your hearts as you celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus. Blessed Christmas. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811 or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.